0: So the Vikings pulled off an improbable victory. Uh, let's talk about what that means moving forward here on Purple Process. <laughs> goes where credit is due, and the Minnesota Vikings pulled off a pretty amazing and unexpected victory against the San Francisco 49ers last night that uh, many of us did not see coming, except some of you uh, diehard fans out there. And kudos to you for uh, your predictions on the Vikings being able to pull off the upset. Uh, The San Francisco 49ers were favored by seven points, heading into Minnesota. The Vikings coming into the game were 2-4, and coming off a somewhat... Uh, or not even somewhat, a very underwhelming uh victory against the Chicago Bears. Um, San Francisco seemed like they were going to be, be pissed off coming off the uh loss to the Cleveland Browns. They're going to come into Minnesota and and theoretically or or mostly end the Vikings season. But the Vikings had other plans and showing uh quite their resilience and being able to bounce back the defense, I would say, first put off a great performance and limiting. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers from you know being able to put points on the board of their high-powered offense. They were missing Debo Samuel and Trent Williams, um, but still the defense played exceptionally well. Daniel Hunter got another sack. Cam Bynum looked incredibly good. That looks that's starting to look like a really good, uh, nice young piece for the Vikings uh, for the future uh, at the safety position where uh, they seem to be loaded. And then on the offensive side of the ball. You know, there was the, you know, I think three plays in uh, when uh, Kirk Cousins uh, threw the pass uh, to Jordan Addison, which mm, it seemed like Jordan Addison lost, you know, that battle um, coming off the, uh, lost the route coming off the line. But Kirk decided to trust him and throw it in there anyway. And it was wrestled away by uh, Ward. Uh, It seemed like, oh no, here we go again with another um, early game turnover. But the Vikings were able to bounce back from that. Um, Jordan Addison was able to bounce back in a huge way um, and, you know, uh, had a huge game, scored two touchdowns. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson seemed to, to bounce back for he was before all those. You're saying that he was a massive bust of a signing. Uh, maybe you a little bit differently this morning as we uh, as, as I tried to tell you uh, over the last few weeks that, you know, just give him a little bit of patience. He still he still got the talent that, you know, uh, he had when we traded for him last year. And guys like Brandon Powell showing up. Cam uh, Anchors had a good game. Uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, he had a, a fantastic game. He threw you know, that first interception, and there was an inter- interception he sh- probably should have had, had Jordan Addison not ripped it away. Uh, but other than that, uh, those two plays, he played uh, exceptionally. And the offensive line against that vaunted San Francisco defense did not allow a single sack. And, you know, that's something we've been talking about on Purple Process for the last few weeks is that this offensive line is in a great spot um, than what it has been in years past and is mostly fixed. I you mean, look at guys like Christian Darasol, who's the number one uh, rated offensive lineman across the board on pro football focus. And then you have uh, Brian O'Neill, who I think is the sixth rated tackle. They put on a masterclass against Nick Bosa uh, and San Francisco Uh, defensive line. Uh, And even the interior offensive line, you know, uh, Garrett Bradbury played well Um, Ed Ingram and Dalton Reisner had okay games, but you know, just first Dalton Reisner's first game, you know, in a while. So he might be shaking off the rust um, a little bit, but overall that unit did not allow a single sack against San Francisco. Uh, And if you would have told me that I would not have believed it. So, um, you know, the offensive line is really coming on as a strength. Uh, for this Minnesota Vikings team and something that uh, they can count on uh, moving forward. And so, you know, where we were, you know, even last week we were talking about where things were after that Chicago Bears game, I was making an an argument that the Vikings should trade to Neil Hunter fully expecting that after that San Francisco 49ers game, uh, like most people, that the Vikings would be staring at two and five, um, you know, with their chances at a postseason berth, you know, really low and, and uh you know, the odds stacked against them. Now that the Vikings are sitting at three and four uh, heading against a very winnable game against Green Bay Packers next week. Um, I think that the calculus probably internally uh, at TCO performance centers probably changed significantly. I think that you're looking at, you know, we have a number of, you know, free agents that um, we're going to be walking uh, in March. You know, you have, you know, guys like, excuse me, um, Uh, like Ezra Cleveland, uh, like uh, Daniel Hunter, um, like KJ Osborne, like Jordan Hicks, you know, all all those players, I think, where I was labeling as potential, um, you know, pieces that could be moved at the trade deadline, all because they're on expiring contracts up until this point, um, you know, Jordan Hicks is 32 and they have Brian Asamoah and Ivan Pace Jr. So you don't think that Jordan Hicks might be, you know, back next year? You know, he could be if he continues playing well. But they have guys that they seem to want to groom below him. You know, Ezra Cleveland. I got a little back and forth with a few people on Twitter this past week discussing Ezra Cleveland, where they ha- they signed Dalton Reisner, who played pretty well this week. We've heard from uh, Darren Wolfson uh, of of Score North um, and. You know, talking about how he's heard that there hasn't been any trade dialogue or not trade dialogue, dialogue, any extension dialogue behind the scenes with Ezra Cleveland um, and that, you know, they have the replacement right there on the roster. I actually predicted on Twitter a few weeks ago that Ezra Cleveland would be traded before the deadline. I actually don't know that I'm going to walk away uh, from that prediction. Um, We still have a week to go. The fact that they have a, a replacement in Dalton Reisner on the roster and they have some good depth the interior offense line behind them that is still a piece that they could move on from um and it not affects you know anything that they're, they're doing even with hazard cleveland playing well this year and you take a guy like KJ osborne you know the fact that you have jordan addison you know uh appearing like a a wide receiver 1b type player behind justin jefferson probably means that they're not going to give KJ osborne a significant extension against the offseason so you look at just start with those those three guys: KJ Osborne, Ezra Cleveland, Jordan Hicks, all playing you know decently well this year. All could have value. All highly unlikely, at least in my opinion, uh, to be back next year. Those are the type of guys in which you you flip because you can't count on getting you know those comp pick backs for them, especially if you plan on signing anyone at all in free agency in March. It'll cancel it out. So the only real opportunity uh, to get picks back. Uh, you know, for them would be to make trades, you know, now. So uh, I still don't know if I would fully rule out, you know, trades for uh, Ezra Cleveland or KJ Osborne. I think Jordan Hicks is an every down player. And so there's at this point, unless they lose horrifically next week against Green Green Bay, they're probably going to hold on to Jordan Hicks for, um, you know, a playoff run. And we'll get to that in a second. But both Ezra Cleveland and KJ Osborne, um, I think, you know, based upon their play and that there might be some placements on the roster, I could still see them potentially looking at making a move, but I think it's a lot less likely than it was, uh, just, uh, 24 hours ago. Then, you know, the big elephant in the room is know, Hunter. And so, you know, he's still, you know, after last night's game, he's the, he's in the first place in sacks for the entire year. He's an incredible player. Um, he's long-time Viking. I don't want to see him go. I guess this is the one thing I failed to add last week when we we're talking about why the Vikings should, you know, trade Deniel Hunter. Is that you know, he's a legacy Vikings player that has played in a ton of big games, has had great performances. It would be sad to see him go. Um, I think a lot of fans are, are right to want to hold on to him as being a cornerstone of a defense that played well last night. But you know, the whole point, the whole impetus of this is that you know, Deniel Hunter is going. He has a as part of that. Revised contract he signed with the Vikings. He has a no tag clause on that contract, so he's going to hit uh, free agency unabridged by I think what March 11th of next year is the legal tampering period, Um, and he's going to listen to all the offers that are available to him. He'd be stupid not to. I mean, even if he wanted to go back to the Vikings, uh, and and he's someone that's looking to capitalize how much money he's going to make. You know, why would you not? You know, listen to other offers from other teams and try to drive up the price that the Vikings are going to have to pay, you know, who have avoided paying you a long term contract coming from here. And then there is a limit on those negotiations. So the Vikings uh, or Daniel Hunter's contract um, with the Vikings is set to void um, on uh, March Seventeenth, uh, I believe it is, and so the Vikings will have to either sign Neil Hunter to an extension um, before that period of time, or all of his dead cap money uh, that was going to come on the, on um, on the Vikings books for next year. I think it's over uh, roughly about ten million dollars uh, would it, would uh, accumulate on the two thousand twenty four um, salary cap. So. If they want any chance of of taking Daniil Hunter's dead cap money and pushing that towards the future by signing him to an extension, they have to do it before his contract voids. Um, and so, you know, it really sets up a situation in which there's there's kind of a tight window for the Vikings to be able to uh, re-sign Daniil Hunter, um, get him on the books, um, and especially when he wants to pursue uh, open free agency and see what other teams. Um, have to offer him because he's looking for that one last big contract um, before the end of his career. So all those factors combined, I think, makes it uh, a difficult proposition for the Vikings to actually hold on to, De- to Neil Hunter um, moving forward. Um, so because of that, if you if you think it's a possibility that he might walk, that's why it was such a consideration that you might trade him for the trade deadline. Uh, Because of those factors, and I think that Kwesi understands that, I still think it is the smallest, it's almost nearly impossible, but the smallest possibility if that, if the Vikings did get an offer, they couldn't refuse, let's say like a first round pick uh, for Daniil Hunter, uh, they could still make that move. Uh, That being said, I think that this team also has a chance to make, you know, put together you know, a streak of wins that could put them in the hunt for a playoff berth. Uh, but if you're Quasi Delfimenta and you're the Vikings and you're sitting there uh, and, you're, and you're really trying to assess, you know, does this 2023 Vikings team have a shot um, at competing for a Super Bowl? Um, you know, some might say, yes, you beat San Francisco 49ers. They're Super Bowl contender last night that shows that the Vikings can play with anyone. They had close losses to the Chiefs, to the Eagles. You know, they should be right there in, in competition. I I tend to think uh, that the Vikings are not set up to actually contend in January, late January, and being able to put together a string of runs um, on the a string of wins on the road against some of these high caliber uh, NFC teams. Um, that i think it'd be very difficult for them to actually contend this year if so if if you're being honest with yourself if you're quasi delmente and you're in the front office and you're talking to the Wilfs, and and if if mark wilf went to quasi and said do you think that we're actually have possibility to contend this year and should we trade to neil hunter i think the on- honest answer is no we cannot contend this year and if we're getting a high draft pick like a first round pick that could alter you know the franchise moving forward you still have to consider it uh, I know that'd be extremely unpopular with fans right now, but you know you got to be thinking about not just letting your your uh, your emotions from you know one game alter your probably multi-year timeline that you set out with the Vikings, and so you really have to consider you know what's best for our long-term future. Um, and so I don't rule it out completely, but it would have to be quite the offer, which the Vikings uh, would would be the significant winner, like a first-round pick, for them to even consider it. Um, at this point, but overall, uh, I, I mean, I think Ezra Cleveland is, 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 a distinct possibility of trade, but I'm not really expecting anything beyond that. I, don't, I doubt that that offer comes in for Daniel Hunter. So what we're looking at for the rest of the season is can the Vikings go on a run? You know, they have, you know, I think we've seen on, on Twitter and other places today, their next six opponents are, are, uh, really winnable games. The, the toughest opponent on that schedule right now is Atlanta Falcons. And I don't think anyone is. Is really terrified of them and Desmond Ritter. Um, and then the last four games of the season you play, the Bengals, the Lions twice, uh, and the Packers. Um, and you know, the the Bengals and, and the two Lions games definitely look tough on paper. But you know, there's a possibility that the the Vikings could, you know, make the playoffs either nine and eight, ten and seven. Um, but you know, really, you know, where exactly does that lead? And are they really gonna be a strong to be a contender? Um, I think the next few weeks will really be able to play that out. Um, I think, you know, the Vikings definitely lived up to their potential last night against the 49ers and even probably left some on the bone, but, you know, have they proven that they can be a consistent performer, you know, game in game out. And so this year so far, I would say that uh, inconsistency has been their calling card, that they've been able to drive the ball and then they'd fumble or they would, you know, have a few great drives and then just suddenly sputter sometime in the third quarter And so last night that they were able to, you know, overcome some of those issues and be able to move the ball when they needed to to put the game away. Um, But until that they can show some consistency and beat the teams that they're supposed to beat, uh, the win last night could all be for naught. And really, if they won last night and let's say they beat Green Bay uh, and they decide not to move pieces at the deadline and then they realize, you know, f- you know, a few weeks after that, if they have if they stumble a little bit and have some losses and end up, you know, eight, nine or nine and eight and missing the playoffs, uh, we're really gonna look back at the San Francisco 49ers game and say, you know, was it all worth it? You know, was would we be better off, you know, instead of being, you know, uh eight, nine, nine and eight and picking, you know, uh seventeenth to twentieth in the draft, you know, if we had a Hey, around a top 10 pick, you know, had we you know, stumbled a little bit against San Francisco, would we be better off? I know some, you know, uh, I definitely know the arguments want the Vikings to seek no matter what. And they want to be able to rally back and they think that winning is important to culture. And I definitely don't dismiss that. But, you know, when you're potentially looking at, you know, drafting, I think the stars are I think everyone agreed that the stars are aligning for uh, this next April to be the the year that the Vikings take their next franchise quarterback. Uh, bearing a you know at this point somewhat unexpected Kirk Cousins extension Uh, if that were to be the case you know setting yourself up to have uh, your choice uh, of who to take a quarterback or at least be in the window to be able to trade up to get a guy you know that you want is advantageous so you know at at this point I'm I, I think that we're looking at you know, can the Vikings go on the run? Can they take advantage of this opportunity that this upset has given them? You know, uh, can they they do continue to do the unexpected and take what was the start of a disastrous season and turn it into something? Uh, I think that's something we'd all be excited to see. But at the same time, you know, how does this rest of the season uh, unfold uh, that impacts the broader future that I think the Vikings, when heading into this year, you know, we're thinking, okay, what are those next steps and how can we, really transition this team to be a true contender in you know 2024 2025 and not really expecting much in 2023, which is why they moved on from all those veterans and those and those deals and kind of reset the salary cap. You know, they expected this to be a slight rebuilding year. Um and so now that you know they have an opportunity to make a run, how much are their plans going to change and how is that in- going to impact the future? So, you know, as always with the Vikings, the, the big picture is a little bit muddy and they remain at a crossroads. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers game was definitely uh, an, an unexpected turn of events uh, for them. And it'll be interesting to see the long-term consequences of, you know, how, you know, the that even going that specific play that Jordan Addison uh, interception snatched that he had, they, they took for a touchdown, you know, how that one little play impacted the outcome of that game and how the San Francisco 49ers game might, you know, change the fortune of them you know, maybe deciding not to trade assets, you know, at the trade deadline and then, you know, they didn't trade assets to the deadline. So now they're going into the rest of the season, you know, have a more competitive roster than they're competing for, you know, playoff berth and Justin Jefferson might come back uh, sooner or later. And, you know, their potential of possibly earning a top 10 pick might turn into, you know, pick 20 or, or something like that. How does that affect their ability to, you know, get their franchise quarterback? You know, there are a ton of questions to be asked here about, you know, just, you know how last night's game impacted the future of the Vikings, and I can't wait uh, to come with you to figure out, you know, what exactly that means. How to break down, you know, what are the different paths that they can they can go down. But um, this next week will be interesting. You know, I think they they really need to beat Green Bay to completely silence all those uh, silence all those trade rumors. And if they can't beat Green Bay and they have a really disappointing loss uh, against that somewhat miserable Packers team, you know, there's going to be really some hard, you know, difficult questions come trade deadline on October 31st of how much do you really believe in this team to be able to make an impact this year? And what advantage can you give yourself by making some moves next week? Or they blow the doors off the Packers and a bad team. And it's full steam ahead about how the Vikings can, you know, turn this this year into a competing year, you know, unexpectedly, but uh, either way, I'm very excited to see it all unfold fold with you guys. A lot to consider, a lot of big picture uh, things at stake for the Vikings. And uh, I, I can't wait to come back each week and talk to you guys about how that happens and what happens next. So uh, before we go, I want to thank our sponsors. That's Badass Woodart. I think I saw that he was working on some um, awesome projects, including that Jordan Addison, Michael Jordan-esque shrug uh, after he stole that touchdown. So go ahead and check that out. Eastside Jiu-Jitsu. And then, of course, Lake Monster Brewing. Uh, I'll catch you guys next week, next Tuesday, trade, dead, trade deadline day. Uh, and then we'll cover what happened that day. Maybe talk about some things around the league that might have uh, potentially impacted the Vikings, if the Vikings end up making any moves. Uh, but then from there, it will all be about the future. Who's performing, you know, well, who might deserve a contract extension, you know, how Kirk Cousins play might impact his his future, you know, where the future is at different positions, all that. Uh, There's still, even with, once we get past the trade deadline, there'll be some psych, exciting things to talk about. So I uh, can't wait for you to join me. And with that, uh, Nick Miller signing off for Purple Process and Climbing the Pocket. Uh, thank you guys for checking in, and I will see you guys next week.